Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Welcome to today's episode, Hormones 101. Hormones are not just things that go nuts once a month. What happens in menopause when a woman is pregnant, raging as one enters her teenage years, or deplete as a woman moves on in age? Hormones are essential to the development and growth, balance, and healthy well-being of our bodies. If you are a young woman who has begun her period, is menopausal, curious, have given birth, or considering giving birth, or maybe you're a mother of four like me, or perhaps you're a father with a daughter and wants to know more, or maybe you're curious about your own hormone health as a male, then this conversation is an important one. Here with us today is my friend and special guest. She is founding partner of Mountain View Wellness Center, co-publisher of Metanoia Magazine, and worked in the field of hormonal health for over 20 years and is passionate about this topic. It's my pleasure to welcome naturopathic doctor, Allison Patton. Hello. Hi, Lori. Thank you. Thank you for your lovely um, introduction. And uh, I think we must have known each other for a number of years by now. I was thinking like 18. Yes, about that. <laughs> We both go like not this. Not you. us. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about it. Let's say over 10. <laughs> right. More than three. <laughs> More than three years. It's a safe bet there. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. I, I really, uh, I'm very excited about this topic because hormone health has just sort of reared its head for me. Uh, being 44 and moving on in my life, I am looking to you to guide us through hormone health because um, it's a very big web, I think, right? And so help us begin to understand where do we start? Right. Well, for me, it started in grade seven. And uh, what I mean by that is, there was, uh, we were studying the human body and for whatever reason, I was given the endocrine system. So we were working in teams and I was the team leader and I was given the endocrine system and it was a mixed group, ladies, guys, and we had to learn all about the ovaries, the testicles, you know, the adrenal glands. And I thought, why me? Why me? (laughs) Because uh, some of my classmates (laughs) weren't very comfortable, you know, giving their talk on the testicles. Let's put it this way, when you're in grade seven. Right. Because so, in, in grade so, seven, in grade seven, it's balls. <laughs> right. 
Yes, in grade seven, you don't even know what the word is, honestly. In our day, let's put it this way. Now, maybe they're they're more knowledgeable to the people out there. But so so looking back, I thought, wow, I really got my start in hormones at age twelve, <laughs> and that's um. So that's so I thought. Well, it's not really fair. I got one of the toughest, you know, um, systems to study, and why did I get given that system? But I guess it was a good place to start at twelve, studying this, and now. Being a similar age to you, I, I can say I've been working on it for those many years. So, so I think I, I could say, if you're a teenager, um, mainly what what might bring you into my office would be your mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might be guilty of this. Dragging my kids in. Because I, I, I'm very, um, very infrequently what I see a teen that just said, oh, please, could I go and see Dr. Patton for my hormones, mom? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that is Ireland. And my that's daughter. My, that's who my is daughter. <laughs> well, yes, maybe your daughter. She would have been, you know, one of the only ones. But one time my daughter asked me questions about the ovaries and I started, I thought, are you sure you want to ask me about this? Because about 20 minutes later, she says, well, it wasn't actually 20, it was probably three minutes later. She goes, okay, that's enough. I've, I've, got, I've got enough. Thank you. <laughs> so I don't know that the teens, they may want to know, but they may not want to know too much. Right. But then here's the thing though, um, Allison, they, they might not want to know. But if they have a lot of acne, if they have, you know, bloating and they're maybe going on the pill or, you know, they're feeling a lot of period cramps and they're not sleeping and they're, you know, up at 2 a.m. and all that stuff and exhausted in the afternoon, maybe they're reaching out and saying, what is wrong? They might be Googling it, you know? Um, So I think this is why this is such an important conversation for teenagers to start. Definitely. And a lot of them feel relieved when they, when they do end up being brought in and they talk about the issues and get some information about what they can do about it. Then they do feel quite relieved because they they have, um, you know, knowledge is power. So then they can take action and improve the situation. Whereas before that, it was probably um, on their mind bothering them, but they didn't know really where to turn or what to do about it. Yes, you can look it up. And, and you know, just like my daughter makes face masks through her research online, uh, you know, you can find this out online, but it's, it's helpful to be guided because then you can have someone like myself or another professional say, well, based on what you've told me, this area is where you might want to focus, mm. whether it be diet, whether it be hormones, whether it be stress glands, and, um, and then you don't waste your time, you know, too much on it. Is it common for women to not really know about hormones either? Um, it's a, it's a good point. Some women naturally research it, so they they have an interest. Other women have no knowledge or connection to it, and only are drawn to it when there's a real problem that happens, and they can't, you know, they're forced into it in a way. So there's a variety of of individuals. One thing that we have that came ahead of us is the boomers. So they were the largest group going through menopause, and so they helped a little bit to change the conversation but not all of them were 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 asking the question so i would say our particular age group might be more of a catalyst working with the boomer ages and then the teenagers trying to support both areas in improving their hormone health so we may be more the unsung heroes of the story really too bad <laughs> <laughs> Yes, nobody will give us the credit, but we do end up doing a lot of the research, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we are really, like, but my mom, you know, I, as much as I love her and, and we are very good communicators, my mom didn't really talk to me about hormones. She talked to me about when her hormone health or, you know, she had hormone imbalance, but I didn't really apply it to myself, you know, until I sort of woke up one morning and I was like, I've had three children. Uh, Something's wrong. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I ended up at your office, right? And that was way before I had, I came to you with the adrenal fatigue issues. But so like, how do we jump into this conversation? Where, where do we start with just this 
how they work. How do hormones work in the body? Uh, well, you can think of a hormone as a messenger. So it is, it would be a, sort of like a Snapchat message. So a person wants to communicate to their network, they might send out a snap, but a hormone is that, that snap going out to somewhere to, to do something and to communicate something. And that's what a hormone is. And so they're, um, that's why they're so complicated because a hormone goes out as a messenger and interfaces with a receptor or like a lock and a key concept. And when it gets to that receptor, that receptor can be anywhere in the body. It could be the brain, the blood vessel, the heart, the muscles, you know, the kidneys, the liver, anywhere. And so then it can take an action. It can start a response in the body. And that's why it is so complicated because there's a, um, a brain, it starts in the brain where the controller is that travels to another level in the brain and then it travels to the end uh, organ that produces the hormone and then that hormone then goes out and does a job. And so you're, if you make a change in the system, you're impacting the whole system and it's a complicated system. And that's why it's really hard to know always where to intervene because you think, oh, I'll intervene here and it'll make that improvement and you end up getting something else, an unintended consequence somewhere else. And you then think, oh, well, this is too complicated, forget it. And some people might not, you know, they might give up a little too soon when they're trying to balance their hormones or they, like one of my patients said to me, well, where do I go for my hormones? Do I go to you? Do I go to a hormone clinic? Where do I go? And I said, well, the thing is, Anyone who's into hormones can help you, but you really have to hear what the person is telling you as the person. And then if you have the background knowledge, then it, it all, it's not that it doesn't matter who you see, but a hormone clinic versus a very well-informed physician, naturopathic physician in the hormone area may be even more helpful than a hormone clinic because it's, it's the impact of the hormones on the whole body that matters, not just the hormones. Some things that you might feel in the body would be breast tenderness, um, maybe you're have mood swings, maybe there's fatigue, low libido, um, like the, there's some physical symptoms that you would kind of go, oh, that's that's strange. Mm. Yes, and um, I do this talk in my clinic, and you know you can go through an inventory and you can ask yourself. Do you, you feel energized? You know, um, can you think clearly? Uh, do you feel rested when you wake up? You know, is your waist circumference less than 35 inches? Do you feel moody? Um, are you grumpy? D does your family tell you, ooh, maybe you want to, you know, talk to Chill somebody pill. <laughs> All right, maybe you want to go for a, a yoga class. And what about cravings? What about headaches? So depending on the age, there's different symptoms. With kids, it's often a stomach ache um, around the period or um, a headache. So a little bit more of a physical symptom, even vomiting. So versus, let's say, um, yes, there's moodiness, but uh, there, there might not be so much as waking up feeling less rested because of the age. I, I mean, with teenagers, they're mostly going to be asleep until noon unless they have to type of thing, depending on the, you know, teenager. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but there's like, so when I was doing some research and I've been to your, your, your clinic and I've listened to your talk, which um, I love, I love it. It's, it's great. The hormones are responsible to the brain, to, to this chemical reaction in the body, right? And if that's the case, um, a lot of times you might experience that fuzzy brain fog because the brain is, is not getting what it needs. Is that, is that? Well, one of the things is when our hormones, so say our estrogen is dropping and or there's an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, one of the important factors called brain-derived neurotrophic factor or BDNF, which is responsible for strategic thinking, um, critical thinking, higher level thinking, that level goes down in our brain. And so we do feel um, hormone fog or menopausal, you know, you know, haziness, whatever you want to call it. But this is, there's a physiological reason for it. It's not just 
oh, it's my hormones. The, the, the levels are actually lower. And, you know, you do need to address it because it can lead to some challenges even in, our, in, a, in a work setting, for example, or in a school setting. You've got estrogen. You have mm-hmm. uh, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. have other, other hormones like cortisol and um, the adrenal glands, which affect the yeah. adrenal glands and all of that, and pregnenolone. Um, I, so how do all of those interact? And what do you do to begin the path of understanding some things like, oh, your estrogen and progesterone have to be in balance what happens when they're not? Right. Uh, sometimes how a person begins to understand is they'll have a, uh, something go on, like they'll get, um, they'll be told through their physician they have cystic breasts or they'll have endometriosis or infertility or there'll be something that comes up that will say, why, well, what's going on? Why do I have this? And, and then they'll, they'll do, they might come in to see me or somebody like that. And that person would say, well, likely there is an estrogen dominance going on, for example, because those types of conditions won't develop unless there is an estrogen dominance. And the person might do a test to figure that out as well if they want to prove it. Although, you know, with, as I said, those conditions won't develop unless it's that situation. So if that's been diagnosed, then you already know that's going on probably. And you might confirm it or do delve in deeper to the issue by doing a test. Now, uh, just want to touch on the family dynamic because um, you've treated my me, you've treated my daughter, and you've treated my mom as well. And you right. noticed that there was something similar. There, there was a similarity in kind of how how we were presenting as this generational presentation where, you know, there's a, the cystic breast where, you know, there's nothing wrong, but they just, it just is always like feels lumpy or whatever. And so can we talk about, is it passed down through, through women in the family? Uh, Certain things are, I mean, if you think about they say when you want to know when you'll go into menopause, the best determinant is the closest way to find out is ask your mother when she went into menopause. So there's a connection there, and that links to ovarian function, that links to uh, general hormone balance. And, and I've often done testing on families, and I'll see the same patterns depending on. There'll be different levels because of age differences, but the pattern will be similar between the family members. So within the like, through the generation basically interesting so, yeah, i find that a lot yeah yeah and and okay so we 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 look at progesterone we look at estrogen and there do we have to, how do we balance the hormones so we come to you and we say dr Patton, what is going on you go okay step one is you might do a a urine test or a blood test maybe yeah, depending. So some people will say, well, you know, I, I can get some blood testing done. So I say, okay, let's start there. Although that maybe is the least useful test, it's still better than no test if that's what we need to find out is something in a test. So we start there. Otherwise, a person might do a dried urine test and or a wet urine test. So there's different, you know, types of testing. But what's nice about anything that comes through those means that you can check on some of what are called the metabolites of the hormone. So the whole job, so once a hormone has done its job as a messenger, it needs to leave the body. And there's only certain ways it can leave. And mostly it has to change its form in order to be excreted, as it's called. Hmm. And it has to go through the liver to change its form. And when it goes through the liver, things are added, things are taken away. And those metabolites, as they're called, can become more potent, less potent, uh, more, you know, concentrated, less concentrated. And and that's where some of the problem happens with some people where their actual hormone balance looks fine, but their metabolites are not, you know, in balance. And then they can even develop, you know, something as challenging as cancer from that. So Suzanne Summers went through an experience where it was a metabolite imbalance that was causing her problems. And it wasn't showing up on the regular blood test. So like if you have a, 
clogged liver. Like if your liver is sludge, sludgy and, you know, um, yes. that could be a real problem, right? Big time. Yeah, that could be a real problem. So sometimes we'll start with the liver in the treatment or we'll start, for me, one of the key um, glands is the adrenal glands. And, you know, kind <laughs> <laughs> thing we can do to help ourselves so that when we're 80, we feel good is to take care of our adrenal glands starting at teen years, really, through the lifespan. Um, and... The studies show that we're best at able to manage our stress in about the, our age group, funnily enough. So the teens can't be ignored because they're not actually able to handle the stress as well as we are. Even though you would think, well, they're teens. I mean, what do they have to worry about per se? I mean, yes, they do have their social world and they're, they're developing and their brain's still growing, but they don't have as many layers of challenge as we may have or responsibilities. And then you think, well, those who are retired, what, what's their concern? But their, their cells, those two age group cells can't handle the stress like ours can. Wow. So that's also something not to forget about. And that's why it, starting in the teens is, is a way to do it. As in, that's why sports is so helpful for teenagers. And the problem is when they turn about 14, their brain prunes. So it's a natural process where we get rid of some of those neuroplastic connections and, and you start to focus. So say a student, like let's say my daughter last year claimed she, and I think she did, play about seven different sports, whereas in two years, maybe she'll be playing two sports, and that's a normal process. But for her hormone health, it might be better she plays five sports or three sports instead of two. And, and so is, that letting because, her- is that because there's, there's um, like a release of the toxin through sweating or just action? Like, yeah, well, for example, um, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a hormone o- overload, the best way to reduce hormone levels is exercise because it calms down our cortisol, it calms down, it, it helps us excrete our estrogen better. And so with teens, it's very good for stress management. Now, it doesn't have to be sports, you know, it could be other hobbies, but including some exercise is really critical for stress management for teens. And how is that for like, my age. <laughs> it's also good. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> it's very good. But you start the habit in the younger years and then you carry it forward. Usually you, you, it's easier to carry it forward if you start the habit early. But if you don't so like myself habit- on Sunday, yeah. I ran a half marathon and I hadn't run one since before my daughter was born because that took up a lot of my time, <laughs> that parenting thing. And how did you do with the half marathon? Congratulations. Tina. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was on a whim. I decided, uh, I heard through um, my sister that my husband wanted to do it. So I thought, okay, let's sign up. So I signed the three of us up. And then I thought, what the, was I thinking? <laughs> And, um, but then I thought, oh, well, it's, oh, I've got to do it now. You know, so, you make um, me laugh because ever like, this is, this is classic you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I ran into a running shoe problem, which is a different story, but I got that sorted. And so it, it impacted my training. So I didn't really train, but I got 20 minutes slower than one in 2004, which was That's amazing. Bad, <laughs> yeah. And my sister said, she goes, if you ever train, I will not run with you. <laughs> she thought I had a way too much energy. <laughs> so anyway. Well, it, it, I it love, fun. and that's what I like about you is that you have a lot of energy and, and it, it matches yeah. my own actually. Um, but these days I'm feeling pretty I'm not feeling as energized as I need to. And I know that there's a couple of contributing factors. So aside from adrenal fatigue, which we've talked about in a previous episode, um, yes. the, the liver, and you've said this to me, you said, Lori, your liver, you, we have to talk about your liver. And I, <laughs> and I know my liver has, uh, is sort of giving me the gears. Um, but I've noticed that there's something that's happening. So I might miss a period. Um, and when I missed that period, like I, this, not this last period, but the period before missed it. 
And it was perfect. It was on my vacation. So I didn't actually have a period, which is like bittersweet because I was having these hot flashes and I'm, you know, standing there, it's 80 degrees outside. And I'm like, I just got to take off my clothes a little here because I'm a little hot. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. (laughs) And and I, you know, uh, but there's a lot of us out there. Right. And so, you know, there's, that's great for, this is great conversation for teenagers because what you do in your teen years affects you when you are older. And, yeah. and what you do now at our stage affects us when we're older. So you can yeah. always right the perceived wrong. If you don't exercise as a teenager, you can right it by doing it now. Definitely. But, but, but now what do we do? So, you know, you've got, you know, this, this, Mess, ma- mismatch of hormone that's coursing through the body. Maybe you've had a whole academic stress in your life. You've gotten married. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have kids and you're whatever. Like, help us navigate what to do when we're starting to feel out of whack. And right, you know how are we? How do we make it now? Mm-hmm. So if you've addressed the adrenal side, which usually is more of a, a long-term addressing, I would say, I don't think it's a, a short-term thing. So once that's under you know, control, and then if the liver, if you can analyze, so for example, uh, in the Chinese medicine philosophy, anger suppression will damage, and I mean, not literally damage, but in the more um, philosophical sense, the liver. And so even looking at how do we process and how do we communicate can help our hormones. So, so it it just depends on the personality that I, so when I meet a patient, when I meet a person, um, and this will sound strange, but they know how to solve their own problem. The person knows, they know, they just don't, they may not be aware of it. That's the, that might be the piece. So when I meet them, by, by the way, I, um, interface with them, I, I can pick up on that. And then um, they tell me, you know, if, if you understand the subconscious concept of things are there in our subconscious, and it's not always accessible to each one of us. But if we meet someone who is open to that, like, let's say myself interfacing with them, then they tell me what, where to focus, which it sounds extremely strange, but, um, you know, I do use that in my work quite a bit mm-hmm. because it's that intuitiveness the person has as to where, where the problem is. And so then we focus in on that. Now, that doesn't mean if you're not meeting me, you can't still solve your problems. Obviously, you can. And you can start, like I said, in those places. And if that's not working or solving it or only solves half of it, then you have to delve into the literal hormones. And if a person isn't, um, so if they're at perimenopause, which is any time between 35 and 50, I may, you know, intervene with a hormone, but I will try my best to reserve hormones for times when we really need it, not just randomly say, take a bunch of hormones. Because if we live to 100 and our period ends at 50, we have 50 years without the influence of as many hormones that we want to live well. We don't want to live poorly for 50 years without hormones. We want to live well. So those are the times to start thinking about the hormones. But but up until but if there's but if from 45 to 50 the quality of life is terrible because of all these different symptoms and the regular approach isn't working, that's when you do head for hormones because that's they're very powerful messengers and they can solve the problem. But I wouldn't just say start like popping a bunch of hormone pills or rubbing on a bunch of creams. Get guidance because they're powerful. They they are tissue growers. They are tissue changers, hormones. So you don't just want to randomly do it, but they are also, you know, the zest of our life. They give us something. So we need those hormones and we can't let them dwindle off or stay wildly imbalanced for long periods of time. I, I want to pick up on what you said about being intuitive because for me, I realized that when I was having that, you know, when I did miss my period in the summer, uh, I had two, two of my, well, both my grandmas passed within three months of each other. And it was really sad. I was really sad. 
And I, and then I was working really hard um, on the show and doing a whole bunch of things. And my life was in balanced. It, there was right. not balance in my life. And my, my, my partner said to me, you know, maybe you could take the month off because I think this is having a stress. Right. Like he's so lovely, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we've been married 24 years and he's like, just, you know, like, it might be nice if you just took a little time off. It's okay. Very softly. Um, but he was right. And I took that time and I realized the imbalance of my life. And uh-huh. I think these years that we're talking about, you know, when you're 35 to 50, these are the weird years. You're, you're building your career. You're, you know, you want the house. You're putting your kids through college. There's all these transitions and it's like you are stressed about things. But, this, but tell me how stress and going so strong and so hard at life can imbalance the hormone. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the thing about it is that uh, our bodies are extremely efficient. Our bodies are extremely uh, resilient. And that can be a detriment too, because we can push and push and push and push and push and still get through, get by, you know, get on with it and, and really almost escape the penalty of that at some level, if you want to call it a penalty. We don't have to pay for it right now. But the problem with that is you do pay for it. And you see this more, um, maybe even in men, actually, you see this more in men, even though they do have the protection of testosterone, which is a a stress protector, uh, perhaps they, they are impacted more when that level drops because it is such a protector. And so that's when you see, you know, as they call them, the widow maker uh, heart attacks happen or, you know, a person retires and then they're dead in a year. Now, these are more dramatic stories, of course, and that's not most of us. But they're, they're, for, they're trying to, I'm mentioning them to make a point, which is that you do pay for that stress on the system. Now, we, as someone I was trying to explain to them, there's a concept called you stress. So you can't have no stress. You can't just sit there and zen out all day and assume that's going to work for you because our bodies are meant to have stress. But you want to have a stress that gives you that endorphin exposure or that gives you um, a positive feeling at the end of the experience, not a negative feeling. And so you want stress, but you have to have the right type of stress. That's the key. And so when you have too many things like death, death is, you know, they they talk about the major life stressors, moving, loss, um, even changing a job. Those can be what are called major life stressors. And if you have two or three piling up, and you just say, well, forget about that. I'll deal with it later. Uh, it, it's not going to work forever to be doing that. And you do pay for it. I've seen it. I've seen it. And that's what I have the gift of my work, which is I get to see the, and I'm not saying um, I wish this on anyone, but I happen to get to see people who get, pay for it later. And so what it's taught me is how can we be those people to, to take action now, prevent it? promote ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean you say, well, look at you, what you did. No, it's about, okay, even that person in that moment can have their wake up call then. So you always can start where you're at, but you can learn, from, we can learn from each other. We can learn from our parents. So my family, like in my generation of my parents, they weren't super active people because they weren't brought up in that exercise world. So they don't have those practices and that does impact them. Whereas I had that practice. My daughter has that practice. Maybe her daughter or son will have that practice. So that that changes things. And so that's one thing I learned. And we all can look at what can we learn. So so it's not about, you know, so you might not see the impact of it right away. That's the point. Well, and for men, like, I think that's amazing. Because I was going to ask you about, about, you know, men and their hormone because I, I don't know if men really think about it much. And no. can you weigh in on that for me? Because um, I don't know if they do. And and I think that's, you know, all of a sudden the guy's walking around and all of a sudden he looks at pictures then a year later and he notices he's got like a little bit more of a, a belly or, you know, he's 
maybe not measuring 35 around the waist. Um, and everyone says, oh, that's a beer belly or barrel chested or whatever they're saying. And, and perhaps it's because they, a lot of men are, are, they work hard and it's not, we're not talking about women working hard right now. We're talking about men working hard. Men are working hard and this must affect them. So can we talk about that man who's listening on behalf of his daughter and now he's going to realize something maybe for himself? Yeah. Um, so, the, so the positive thing for men is they do have testosterone. They have, I think it's um, 30 times as much as we have. So, and that will protect themselves, their cells from aging in a, in a sense, 10 times more than ours. So, so that's a positive for them. But there comes a time where those levels, they call it, you know, when like the men go through andropause, like women go through menopause or low T is the term they might be using or whatever you want to call it. But there's a, there's a change in their body shapes, just like for women as well at a certain time in life. And like one of my patients came in looking for weight loss and he said, yeah, I want to lose my A cup. <laughs> right. So, so again, that's when um, that natural hormonal change uh, for, for men and not every one experiences that, but for those who do, you know, perhaps that, that's something that would let them know, Oh, okay. Maybe I'm going through low T or I'm, I'm having a hormonal change. Now they may not care about that, but they will care, you know, if they get a heart attack from it, that that'll probably make them think, Oh, okay, this is too bad. And so, so they, they probably, um, although men do exercise, men do physical activity, not all of them are is as in touch with the um, the communication, the emotion, the spiritual, the um, you know the stress management. Now, one thing I did notice though is in yoga class a couple of weeks ago, more than half the class was men. So it, it's probably changing now. There's a there's a shift, uh, and so so that's good. But um, but is there enough of a shift? It's hard to say. Well, and that's why we're, we're starting this conversation, uh, you know, to, to basically say, Hey, you know, this is really, this is, uh, an important conversation to have. If you're thinking about how to, you know, um, adjust your life or this is it, this is it. Now the adrenal glands are interesting to me because, um, they are responsible for a lot of, of hormone, um, firing, right? Like they fire off the, the, the what, what do they do? Well, in the hormonal cascade, they're um, higher up in a sense. um, A number of hormones can be made from hormones that come from the adrenal gland. So if those deplete, then downstream hormones all deplete. And then, so that's one way how they have an impact. It's in the production of hormones that comes from other hormones linked to the adrenals. And you know, especially if a, a lot of us now work longer, so not everyone, the, the retirement's changing. Because in the past, people would retire and then they would die. I mean, that was the reality. Now people live a lot longer. And so they're, they're maybe not going to change. They're still going to be doing some type of paid work or non-paid work for longer. And so they actually need to, because again, they, as our cells age, we don't handle stress as well that might force some men and women, especially men though, in this case, to address the stress issue as time goes on, especially if they want to keep working. So for example, I went to the um, U-Lock storage uh, facility here in our local area and uh, all but two of the employees I met are a bunch of retired guys who have now a new job, you know, uh, in the U-Lock storage. And they're amazing. They're happy. They're doing great work. Yet their health, you know, again, I pick up on it because that's my field, is impacted to some degree. So what do, how do they optimize themselves? Mm -hmm. And they could start at the adrenal glands for sure. For sure. And so, okay, so um, let's move down the line. Now, what do we do? We've had this conversation. We, we have a level of understanding. Um, What is next for what is next for the teenager, for the woman, for the woman who's had the baby, for the man? What's next for people in general when they realize, okay, there's something wrong or something out of balance. They come to you, they go to someone else. 
they go through some some tests, and then what? Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, if it's a teen, commonly you look at, like I said, exercise, you look at diet because you can shift hormones based on your diet in a big way. And with teens, it's a, sometimes they naturally figure it out. So like my daughter went to visit my sister. My sister's a vegetarian and they do a lot of, you know, they make their own kombucha. They do a lot of, um, you know, nutritional yeast. They do all kinds of things. And so then she came home and suddenly buys kombucha. And I thought, whoa, what's going on? Not that she wasn't aware of it for many years, not that I didn't show her it for many years, but she was never interested. And then suddenly she was. So so sometimes they, they, they start to change naturally and other times they need a little nudging from someone else. And so, so and it might not really be effective coming from a parent. They're not necessarily listening to the parent. Right. Like in my case. Yeah, or in my case. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> but, I'm begging you to go and see uh, Dr. Patton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And often I'll say, especially again to the teens and to the guys, oh, how did you get here? Your wife, your mother, your, you know, whoever. And that's usually the way. So I don't actually mind how they get here, but it, it kind of lightens the mood because they don't really want to be there at first, a lot of the people. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and that, cause again, that's the men, the man's like, Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. I'm fine. And what could you do to help me anyhow? I mean, really, what could you do to help me? You do. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me tell you what we could do. Um, okay. So just at the, at the end of this interview, let's talk about, um, what if your estrogen level falls? What happens? Mm-hmm. And what do we do? <laughs> You've seen a raisin, right? <laughs> that's not a good example. But that's what, you know, things shrivel, you know, things dry up. You've seen things- a raisin. I just, I just sit there and wait. I wanted you to explain it even further. <laughs> Yeah, so so things happen because I mean estrogen is a critical hormone. Okay. Uh, if you look at a woman um, who who has menopause five years later, not every woman. Okay, so don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not generalizing, but some you see a dramatic change in five years from when they finish their period, and then you see them five years later, dramatic change, and then it just keeps going. And uh, I was in a room with a bunch of gynecologists and they were talking about hormones and there's a certain protocol that was followed and it changes all the time. But the truth was deep down in the actual conversation, not, they're not all following the protocol, let's say when it comes to themselves or their families, because the truth is you want to do what works. So if, if you can, if you know that hormones are critical and that as we age, they just get lower and you know that impacts the bone, you know, the heart. Uh, the liver, uh, the muscles, the skin. Yeah. And you know, you can do something about it. Why wouldn't you do it? That's the thing. It's just not everybody knows that that's the issue. Okay. So when an estrogen level, it, when it, when it changes, you're going to see mm-hmm. something in one or two ways, right? Usually you do. And I mean, some women happen to have a really healthy level, so they don't, it's not as extreme the effect. So, you, so they might say, well, I'm fine. And so they might get a delayed effect. And and although they'll say, well, you shouldn't start women, you know, looking at their hormones 10 years after menopause, but maybe that's when that woman notices the change finally. Right. And so what, about, what about um, progesterone? Because when we were talking, you were saying to me, well, I mean, I should clarify when we were talking in your office, you were saying to me, um, like you have to get the estrogen out of the body because I am estrogen dominant. And so you're saying you got to, you know, raise progesterone and you have to take some T1s or whatever that is because, you know, like talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, So, so in there's certain cases, there's something called, you know, um, so if there's ever an estrogen progesterone imbalance, it could be that estrogen's too high and progesterone's normal. It could be that estrogen's normal, progesterone's too low. It could be that, you know, estrogen's low and progesterone's low, but one's lower. So you have to figure out what is the issue and how to fix it. And that's why sometimes if I try to um, help people process estrogen better, you don't want to overdo that either because you need estrogen. So again, you have to... If only it was a cookie cutter recipe book response for everyone, it would be nice. 
And some people like I had a patient who the other day said, well, you know, my daughter was prescribed this dose of pregnenolone. Why did you prescribe me this dose? And I, and I said, well, who knows? I mean, at some level, I like to start low because why pour something in someone, especially if it's a hormone that's powerful, if you end up getting an answer at a lower dose? But it doesn't mean a higher dose can't be also very effective. So, so again, it really depends. And, and, this, and, and when you're getting it out of the body, that T1, right? Like you have to, it has to carry out of the body. Otherwise it goes somewhere in the body, right? It stores. Right. So in terms of, it's, it's through the liver and it's linked to um, the metabolites of estrogen. And so if it, if it can't, if it, once it's changed in the liver, if it doesn't leave the body, then it can get reabsorbed in that more potent form. And that's when problems arise. Okay. And so um, I don't know what you mean quite about T1, but you might, you might mean to do with phase one or phase two of the liver. I'm, I'm not totally sure, but. Um, yeah. I, th- I read my note, your notes to me in a thing and it was uh, T1. So it might've been P1, like part one, part two. Yeah. It could have been part one, part two to do with the liver of the phase one and two of the liver. Yeah, yeah. That's probably more what it was. And so, so you're just trying to, and and some of us have problems with some of our, detoxification pathways in our liver. And you can prove that um, with testing as well, or, you know, you can know. So, so sometimes, for example, glutathione can be used as a treatment for hormones when it's a liver treatment, actually. But it improves our hormone balance because we're improving the liver function. Right. And if the, if you're trying to get rid of stuff and the liver is, 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 is sluggish. Right. And, and then, you know, of course, in the, in the pathophysiology field, they might say, well, you know, the liver, what do you mean by the liver is sluggish? Well, it's, it's just more to do with, and they, they can do this genetically now, analyze it in our lifestyle genes and in the gene analysis. You can check out how, how your gene changes impact your liver function, and, and you can determine that for people, whether that's an issue or not. I, I think this is an important way to wrap up because... Mm-hmm. We, what I'm hearing is if you're feeling or seeing a difference in your body or your, your, you know, your mental capacity, um, just your general feeling and, you know, you have some symptoms, the, the, the thing that we talked about at the very, very beginning is hormones are complex and you've been Mm -hmm. saying this, it's like, there's not really one way to answer the question. No, there isn't. There's not one way. It's like, I'm looking for an answer and you're going, you're giving me everything you can. The reality is there's a lot of ways that you would encourage someone to manage or to um, have, um, to get a hold on this. And the first thing I think you're saying is you got to think about how and what you're internalizing. And what you're eating, because that can actually change the hormone imbalance and not yeah. to take and jump on, a, on, on that wagon of taking some, you know, hormone because you don't really want to do that. You really want to try to do all these other things before you move to a cream or a pill or something like that. Is, is that, it's, is that yeah. right? That's, that's definitely a, um, wise. And and there's another concept. I mean, some people will say, well, when I went on the pill, I felt much better. I was more even. Or when I went on this uh, antidepressant, I felt more even, which is great. So, so if that works for you, then do that. Then there's another philosophy whereby it doesn't mean things are great all the time. So if you've ever read the book called The Red Tent, and this is an older book now, but it talks, and there's, there's other writers who talk about the gifts of hormonal imbalance. Now, not extreme. Obviously, I'm not suggesting extreme, but I'm talking about the natural ebb and flow of our hormones. Why right before a period does a woman get kind of edgy, you know, that she doesn't want to be around people? The reason being is she's meant to go into a cave and think. Mm. She's meant to pull away. She's meant to sleep more. She's meant to eat, you know, nurturing foods. She might even clean her house. You know, she's meant to be doing those things. The problem is we're out of touch with that. Wow. way of life so we want to fix it we want to say get this you know get this edginess out of me but maybe it's just more okay this is where I am and that's why they made these period trackers this is where I am in my cycle 
it's not way off track. It's just a little off track. I can handle this and I'm going to use this time to go inside and do what I need to do on this you know, issue. And then, then you, you can make more peace with it. But perhaps it's not the hormones that's a problem. It's the lack of connection to what those hormones mean and the power in those hormones. So, so it's, it's totally possible because, and for men too, the power of our hormones, you know, is what life's about. It's just, we're not, you know, honing in and connecting into it enough. And that's what, you know, what I want to leave people with. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's like right up my alley because you're right. We, we try to walk away from something that's so natural. Yeah. Right. Like when our, when our teenagers and our, our, our kids, you know, I've got three olders, right? So uh, one more, I've got one more that's going to venture that way. But for now, let's just leave it where she's 10. Right. So, but I remember when my kids all started making their adjustments And I remember saying to them, here's the deal. We are not going to verbally assault one another. We're going to get out of bed and we're going to be happy people. You're not making our lives hell in this home. Number one. Number two, there's a reason why this is happening to your body. And and you must connect in. So turn inward and look at, okay, what is, is there something that I'm angry about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And keep going, have the conversation. Right. And then because what happens is once you go into that, then you come out of it, right? Because they shift again. And then you go into your action and you do something new. That's where the resiliency comes from. You start a new project, you know, you, you, you take on a new job, whatever it may be. And so that what was a gift for a woman is that she gets that every month. She gets to go through that every month. So that's a huge power with a guy. Probably it's a little bit different and, and maybe yes, they have more of a steadiness so, so they can handle, you know, different types of projects, mm-hmm. but then are they equipped when things start to trail off because they are also living longer. And so that's where the woman can come into play to help the guy with that in, because she knows the feeling because she goes through it every month. Well, and this is another important part because I must've been living under a rock somewhere because I, I didn't get this. I, it was so weird. Allison, honestly, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but for those teenagers out there, I'll just, I'll go there so that I don't embarrass myself further. Uh, But, but I just like in May of this year realized that there were four seasons in the month as a woman. Like, it's like that you, you've got the fall season where things fall away and you know, the earth prepares itself and everything exhales. And then you've got this place in your life where it's winter and you're cozying up and you're all, you know, you are getting rid of that, you know, that everything that happens when you're having your period, all the shedding and letting go and getting rid of toxins. And then you go back to spring where things are, are becoming alive again. And you're like, oh, and you get creative and you're in and you're, you know, and then it's summer, you're partying, you're loving life. And then you're back down again. You think about the up and down of that. If we can wrap our minds around that and give ourselves the permission then to be in balanced in a natural way, the way that every week is asking us, it's every week is asking us to just move down a little bit more, deeper, deeper, and then come up again. That's the ebb and flow. Yes, that's right. And there was this article I read um, in my MBA called The Corporate Athlete, and it talked about the oscillation. So think about interval training. So if you're an athlete, you do interval training, if you're, it, but in, in our cycle, it's a natural interval training. So, and the learning happens, keep in mind, the learning happens not at the low, not at the high, but in the movement, that's where all the gifts come. And so, 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 so think about that. And so the, the challenge is faced when the four, the four weeks have too much of one week. So in other words, some patients will tell me, you know, three weeks of the month, it's like this. And then I have my period. 
So then in that case, yes, they, they, we probably need to make a change because they're not getting that ebb and flow. And so then, yes, we would intervene then. But otherwise, you know, some of this, like, let's say it is your, your teenager. Maybe you do want to just leave them in their room for a week, you know, at times to, to manage that piece for themselves because they also have to learn how to self-regulate. Well, and that's right, the power of, and that's what I was saying to my daughters. Then my little daughter, she's not on that journey yet, but she's learning. And I've, I've always said like to Ireland, okay, let's embrace this, what it is. You, you, you're not going to be angry for four weeks. We're not doing that. And she never no. was. She was, she was right. amazing. You're, you're, we, you must learn. And it's so interesting to me because yes, that hormone becomes when all of a sudden you're in the middle of school and you're doing what you're doing and now you've, you've got your period and you're like, ah, but it is a gift that helps you interval train for what life is about. The downside, okay. girls are getting their period younger and younger and younger. Yes, that's true. And that, that links more to, you know, what's happening. Like even, well, at City Hall, for example. So we're learning about tertiary water treatment. Okay. And I thought, well, you know, what's that got to do with anything? But what it has to do with is when you treat the water in a different way, you can pull the hormones out of the water. If you don't go to that level of water treatment, you don't get the hormones out of the water. So then they're getting recycled into the system of everybody. And that's why there used to be the stories about, you know, the changes to the alligators in Florida or whatnot. And and so that's linked to the hormone because hormones are really tough to get out of water. It's, it's, you have to treat it a certain way. And so then if you add that to, you know, the plastics and yes, they've, they've handled all these things. Like now they know not to use a certain type of plastic. Now they're trying to treat the water differently, but we have the ketchup from all that still. Right. And it's all in our system. Knowledge. It leaches in, right? Like we're, we're, yeah. you know, we, we've never been more of a packaged society. Everything's in a package, you know, it's like. Well, even the tea, I was reading this article about the fancier teas that are made in kind of like a mesh. Those actually are, are harmful to us. Um, they, there's little bits of plastic that leach out of that. And then we drink the tea and it, and it goes into our body and it's hard to get rid of those plastic, little plastic bits. And you think, really? Even in, in my, you know, designer tea, it's, it's a problem. I know. And I was thinking about that too. And, and that's why I was talking with my son, Finn, about um, loose leaf tea. And he was like, yes. oh, okay, mom, what, what are we going to do about that? And because I, we, we, he and I both read the same article and he said, yeah. well, what should we do? And, and we talked about that and, you know, but right. that's the other contributing factor. So not only are we, we've got a lot of hormone and a lot of things in other things and that mm. really shouldn't be there and weren't there way back when. Right. So we're, we're trying to change it, uh, but it's, it's slow. It is slow. And so then that's why, you know, the, the kids of today are getting their periods at 10 because it's a layering effect of all those other things that maybe we've solved, but um, the effect of them hasn't been solved yet. It's still hanging around in the, in the body. Well, and then they're having to deal with that hormonal adjustment so early. It's yeah. just like, oh, I just, I, I mean, we, we have to deal with it because that's what is actually happening in our society. But it doesn't mean that I like it. It means I actually feel sad. I'm, I look at people that are young women who are 11 years old and I think, no, no. Right. You know, like 13 yeah. is hard enough. That's true. It's true. And, and they're not really developmentally ready. To, not all of them are ready to even talk about it. So you kind of have to slip it to them, you know, slip them some supplies, uh, have it there for them without discussing it, <laughs> yeah. you know, until they are, are, are a little bit older, some of them. Yeah. Yeah. So a parent has to kind of figure the, it out to help them because they may not even want to talk about it, actually. So give us uh, a takeaway if you're a teenager. What's the takeaway from this conversation? Uh, well, I think um, if... It's, it's sort of similar to if it's an adult. If it feels off, it is. So if not always would a teenager connect it, but if they could, if something doesn't feel right in their body, it probably isn't. So tell someone who you trust. Tell your parent, right? Usually it's a parent or 
if you can't tell your parent, tell your friend who may tell your parent or what, or a grandparent. And because it doesn't mean you should suffer with it if it's really bothering you. And there's probably a solution. And that solution might not have to be a drug. You know, it might easily be something you're eating, an exercise, and you know, taking up a new type of like yoga or whatever it may be. So do, don't just assume, like, don't just disconnect from it, in mm. other words. And what's the takeaway if you're a, a you're a, a woman, your mother, you're in your thirties? What's the takeaway there? Well, I mean, if you're depending where you're at, if you if you're trying to become pregnant, if you're in your fertile time and you're planning that, then then think about okay, what are my lifestyle practices and how's that going to impact you know my which we didn't talk much about today, but how how's that going to impact my ability to, you know, become pregnant, for example, or ask. So whenever it's pregnancy, there's always something. It's either getting pregnant, it's the pregnancy, it's after pregnancy, it's breastfeeding. There's some issue that pops up for the woman. So it's trying to navigate that phase, which might be a whole nother hour of discussion. And it is another discussion because um, I would like to invite you back for that because I just did a show with a woman named Lucy and we were just talking about uh, the postpartum recovery, not the um, postpartum depression, but more about postpartum recovery. Having She had her third baby um, and it was really hard. The, the recovery after everything hurt and all of that and the cramping was was really, really um, surprising to her. And she would said to me, you know, look, nobody told me this. And, and it was the same feeling I had with my son, Tate, who's my third born as well. Um, we want to talk about that because a lot of women feel defined by motherhood. They have these careers, they become a mom. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you, you feel like you've lost yourself. You feel like all of that, you not get enough sleep. You feel like you're just in a state of, of, of brain fog how do we um, manage that? So I would like you to, if you would, come back sure. and talk about that. Um, sure. But that's great. Then the next person would be like, if you're me, uh, you've missed your period, you're in your 40s. Now what do we do? Yeah, and I mean, I think 40s, when you have kids that are, depending on the age of the kids, but if you have kids, but let's say you have kids and they're kind of in the teen years or older or younger, but you're looking ahead. I mean, yes, you're living in the moment, but there's a piece of you looking ahead because like my example is I went to an event. um, My daughter wasn't with me. She was away at a sports event with my husband and I'm there with adults around other families, but I have no family around me. I just have friends. You know, I'm in an, I'm doing an adulting episode and I thought, Oh, this is really weird. This is my future. You know, this will be my future. And so you're sort of, for me, I'm a planner. So I'm already thinking, okay, you know, who is the me in five years? Who's the me in 10 years? Because this piece is coming not to an end, but it's, it's, it's sort of changing. Mm -hmm. And so this age group is in a way should be, in my opinion, if you want to go with a should preparing, yes, living for today. Yes. Growing into the next phase, but preparing for the next phase. So it's not a big shock to them Hmm. because it, 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 it will be a big transition. And that would f- fall right into what we just talked about, about the seasons, because that self-introspection turning yes. inward, not always looking. Uh, and I would like to add, um, changing the dialogue about the hormones and the menstrual cycle as being a pain. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's natural and normal within reason, you yeah. know, something to be embraced, not kind of shunned or, or fixed or put, you know, yeah. having to make better necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if you're a male and you um, are listening to this, what, what is the takeaway for a male? Well, I think for a male, it's have a, again, have a conversation, not be open enough to be willing to consider this as something that you might want to address. Because if, if you can do that, then later in life, it's, it's better for the man because they do get impacts on their health and, and they, they may not even, they may just accept those impacts, but why should they accept them? So why not do something about it a little earlier? 
And then you have to talk about it in order to deal with it, in my opinion. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. Well, this has been awesome. Like it's, 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 I always, always love talking to you and I like seeing you in person as well. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. This has been great. And, uh, and I hope we can do it again sometime and talk about these types of important, you know, things that matter to me and I hope they matter to others. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, and, you know, as, as we collaborate together, I think that this is where the conversation gets really good because um, there's no question I want to have you back. And there's, I've got a list of topics to talk to you about. I, I like your candid nature, but I also like how you talk about the, the emotion and you're connecting the body and emotion together with well-being as well. Because you know what? The body is the densest part of the soul. The bar- body does reflect back what we are putting out to the, to the world around us. And, um, and that's a good, 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 solid offering of wisdom that you've just given us today. I just appreciate it so much. Now, if somebody is looking to find you, um, where, where can they find you? Uh, they find, well, our clinic is called Mountain View Wellness Center. We're in South Story, White Rock. They can call our clinic. Um, they can look on our website. They can follow me on Instagram. Yes. You can see me at Surrey City Hall Monday nights every other Monday, but I, I, I'm not sure, you, you know, you necessarily would find that super interesting unless you love land development. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yes, and and if you're a, a listener, um, you can find um, us at www.lauriclark.ca. You can also email in if you have any questions that you want to talk to Dr. Patton about or with me. You can email us at the Lori Clark team at gmail.com. So, um, and of course, I'm on Instagram too. So, but thank you so much for coming. Um, I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Take care, Lori. See you next time. Bye. Bye.